Hi, welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arment. And I finished an entire cardigan in about two and a half weeks. Whoa. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. It is I'm good. It is good. <laughs> no, it is good. It's good for me. It's very good for me. Uh, because It you know, sounds impressive. I haven't had much to do. And it's a really, really pretty cardigan, which is actually what I'm the most happy with, that it's... I think it straddles the line of like everyday cardigan and pretty cardigan that you could wear with a dress very well so that I can get a lot of wear out of it. Uh, it's a pretty gray color. I'm just very happy with myself. And now it's going to take me maybe a year and a half to actually sew on buttons because that's where I always, always fall down. Oh, see, that's the part I'll happily do. I'll sit and <laughs> sew 10,000 buttons, but I cannot knit anything. Oh, I can knit a whole bunch of lines and I could just sew them together, right? Into a cardigan shape. Definitely. Mm -hmm. People do that too. (laughs) I will start sending you care packages that are just buttons and finished cardigans. (laughs) That sounds good. And we'll just ship them across. That's that's fine. That's no carbon footprint at all. (laughs) I I have friends who have joked that because one of them really likes uh, knitting color work, like, you know, patterns and fancy. And the other one doesn't mind knitting tons and tons of just stockinette stitch just round and round and round the whole body so they've joked that they should just like knit cart like knit sweaters together because one of them (laughs) doesn't have the patience for what the other one has the patience for that's amazing what about you have you have you done anything you want to brag about nope (laughs) (laughs) i've done nothing i've been underwater with homeschooling stuff and uh that's all my brain has the capacity for that and video games i built some i built a cool house in minecraft uh if that's considered crafty but i just want to say that no i have not done anything creative and i want to have all the people out there who are listening who are currently not doing anything creative to not feel bad about it because even though you have lots of time some of us just don't have the mental energy. Um, I got to say, 100%. My, my art classes have moved online. And so I attended the lecture to one of them. And there's kind of like this loose assignment to do stuff. I can't even figure out how to have the mental capacity to like do an in-depth, like really technical, like of a rendering drawing of even like a face or a hand right now. I just, I don't have it. Um, as much as I want to have it, I just... I can't, I can't get, I can't get it. I can't get it. So I'm very impressed with the people who are able to create things uh, right now. Yeah. But, you know, knitting a lot of the time for me is, is, you know, it doesn't necessarily require, like it doesn't, you know, require like input and effort for me once I'm started. And we're going to get to that kind of uh, later in, in this episode. Oh, I've been doing doodle postcards. So there we go. That counts. Yep. No, but I just feel like, you know, like those memes going around, like, if after all this, you didn't, you know, finish that book, learn language, start a side hustle, it wasn't about not having the time, you just blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, because these are very weird times. A lot of people are working from home, so you don't actually have more time. Or you're, you know, afraid and exhausted and confused and not motivated and you don't have to be. If you mm-hmm. come out of this with like 18 amazing canvases that make you super famous, good for you. That's amazing. And I'm not being sarcastic, literally good for you. And if what you do is, you know, pick at your toenails for four weeks, also Ew. good. Okay. That was gross. Uh, <laughs> if all you do is, you know, watch Netflix. Uh, yeah. Watch, watch Netflix watch Tiger King. or watch Netflix or like, restack the pillows on your bed over and over again for four weeks that is also totally good for you so yeah don't don't feel like you have to come out of this 
with anything. We had a really nice email from a listener who wanted help or maybe input with some things that he's been thinking about. And I think most of this is pretty universal for for makers and, and artsy people. Yeah, this email, um, when you hear the context of it, it very much uh, can be applied to anything. And that's why I think this email is really helpful and it's useful to spend an entire show talking about it. Definitely. So uh, this letter writer, he is into modular synthesizers, meaning you put it together out of modules, different bits. Um, He's into the building and the playing of the music. And then also like the social community aspect of other people who do it, like online communities, people playing music live or over the internet. And I, you know, I think modular synthesizers are cool in general. And I love that there are people who build them and play with them. Uh, But he says that he he kind of feels a little bit stuck, I think. He says that he sometimes feels bad about the money he's put into it, and he feels like he hasn't really, quote-unquote, produced much in the way of, you know, written or recorded pieces, and he hasn't shared much of what he has done with other people. He, um, I like the way he phrased this. He said, uh, a lot of what I make stays with me in my room. This makes it hard to explain what I do and also can make me feel anxious about making anything at all, even for my own enjoyment. And this is stressing him out, and he feels like he almost doesn't want to actually do the thing that he loves to do, which I get and relate to. So relate Even in other times. Uh, So he asks, do you have any advice? Have you had anything that's made you anxious about approaching your hobby? Do you have any ideas for how to reframe the problem so that I can approach the music making with new eyes? And I just, I feel like he has framed the problem so well Mm -hmm. that I, I really appreciate that. But do you... This feels very rhetorical. Do you relate to this issue? Oh my gosh, so relatable. I mean, I feel this all the time with painting. It's like I go through these bursts of, oh yes, I want to do this. And then I I start doing it and I feel great while I'm doing it. And it's fun and I'm involved with it. And then all of a sudden, like, it just becomes a huge barrier. The expectation of of it being great or... Or, or an expectation of a finished product that I feel like I don't have the skills to accomplish just becomes the shadow and it stops me from actually trying to make something. I spend all my time thinking about making something and then I never actually do it because I have so much anxiety about making it. And I gotta say, like, just like, you know, this person says, there's so much stuff that I have made that I have never shared. You know, it's just, it's around, uh, there's paintings that nobody has ever seen and they are just there. And I don't think that anything has to be shared, but there is certainly a real stress level of feeling like you have to be great. And the thing that you share has to be great. So then therefore you have to make a great thing to share. And that's not the case. I mean, think of how many people are out there not sharing their thing, but yet they're still that they they still have that hobby. They still identify themselves as a violinist, as a singer, as a cartoonist. You know, they still identify themselves as that, but they're not on social media. They are just living their life. And it's hard <laughs> to imagine that because we're so involved in social media stuff, in podcasts and in Instagram posts. It's just, it's everywhere. So you feel like you have to be there too. I feel it's this thing that we keep coming back to about, you know, being the person who does the thing or wanting to be the person who does the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's uh, subconsciously, I think mostly, that you kind of feel that if you don't 
post the stuff you make, you will look like someone who wants to be and not someone who actually does, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also, I mean, you want the praise and all that stuff, but then I think it's easy to get stuck in that fear of like, is this, uh, is this even good? For me, what happens a lot, I think, because it's, it's a little bit different because like with with making music you're not necessarily like consuming and using up you know supplies or materials but it's kind of the same thing because I can feel like with with knitting like there should be a purpose to the thing I'm making and like it has to be worthy of the yarn and my time and partly maybe also like I want something that's fun to share but that I feel like well I can't just make another pair of plain socks with with this yarn it's like why why do I feel that way like it's it's not like anyone else has any right to judge and it's not a waste of it if it you know I had fun knitting them I have feet other people have feet or if I really don't like them you know I can I can rip them out and make something else with that yarn it's not a huge deal but it's really easy to I think both in the beginning when you're feeling like you're just going to really waste materials because you're not even good at it so you're like you know I have to save these paints for when I'm good do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're oh yeah, because I I feel like that with other crafts a lot of the time where I'm like, well, I'm not good at this yet, so I shouldn't. And then it's like, but these are the supplies you have, and you can't get good if you don't practice. I have a another good analogy of a hobby that is very much, I think, similar to um, the synthesizer hobby. Where all right, and you have it too. Expensive pens. I mm-hmm. find that like having a pen hobby, you have all of these materials right which are essentially the pens and the converters and the nibs and like the ink and all of this stuff and they're all very beautiful and they're fun and you can like kind of put them together in weird ways sometimes or you get very very involved or 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 not you just kind of buy the pens because you think that they're beautiful but you look around you're like all right I have 40 pens in front of me and then (laughs) someone says like oh tell me about your pen hobby like I hear you like pens what do you do with them crickets right like what do you do with them I do nothing with them. I am not a calligrapher. I am not a avid, super advanced letter, uh, letter writer. I do not draw with them. I doodle with them in notebooks. I use them to write checks. I sometimes write in journals. I sometimes write letters. I sometimes make a little thing. I don't know. Like I, I write out my Christmas cards, but really <laughs> they just make me happy. And I see people online often taking these beautiful pictures of their pens and they kind of turn their pen hobby into kind of a, a visual display of look at these beautiful items and other pen people follow it because other pen people like looking at beautiful pens. And it's like, I don't really do that either. Uh, occasionally I will take a picture of a pen and put it on Instagram, but that's just more of like, a, oh, the light's nice today. I'm writing with this cool <laughs> pen. Let me take a picture of it. Uh, but it's not like my thing. And I think that that's all okay because I still love this hobby. I love it. Do I do anything with it? Not really. Do I? Can I explain that to anybody who doesn't understand? No, I can't. They look at me and think I'm insane. And you know <laughs> what? I think that that just has to be okay sometimes. It feels stressful to explain. And that's where like I kind of understand this. It's like, well, how do you say you're a thing if you're not using it the way that people expect you to use it? But, yeah, and I think it's also a very good analogy yeah. because, you know, he, he mentions the thing, you know, the social, the community aspect of it. And that is, I think, like, probably the thing I like the most about fountain pens and vintage pens. Uh, like, I, I 
will sometimes get more enjoyment in talking about pens with people mm-hmm. than the buying or the using because like these are people who are passionate about a thing and it's a thing that I also like but it's just like it's you find these people and they do great things and some people like you say they take amazing pictures or people make gorgeous pens or write uh, amazing calligraphy like all that yeah, stuff try to explain where... to someone about going to a pen show what do you do there uh <laughs> we meet at a bar and we trade pens around and we write squiggles in each other's notebooks and we say how cool it is and like <laughs> that's about it we socialize i think part of it is like what you're saying like you you have this expectation of what you should be doing with your hobby and with the materials in that hobby and i think part of that is because a lot of the time you are either part of or can see uh, a large community. And then the kind of like with all of social media, I guess, um, or, you know, any any place you meet up with people, what you see are the things that someone actually does. So you're not going to notice and you're not going to think about all the people in that community who also don't post pictures or don't post songs that they make because you can't see them. You are going to see all the all the posts and all the shares and all the songs and you're going to think, well, that is how that is what you're supposed to do. And then you're like, well, if I can't do that, what am I even doing here? Which I think that that is where the the fail, the mental fail point is right. That shouldn't be a well, why am I here? Um, Why am I even trying Uh, some things? You know, if they just interest you, let them just be a part of your life. You know, let it. Tell yourself it's okay to be just okay at something, you know, like just to like something uh, like going to the social meetups of people who like synthesizers or I I know people who love watches, but they don't buy a ton of watches. I mean, then there are other people who buy a ton of watches, but it's more like the community of watch people. They just like going and being around them because it's fun. It's a fun thing to talk about. If you have an interest in it, even if it's all purely just your own personal knowledge and you consume information about it and you know about it, but you're not making anything with it, sometimes just being around people and chit-chatting can be inspiring, or it could just be an outlet for you to discuss the thing that you are interested in in an intellectual pursuit. It doesn't have to become a creative thing. You can just, if the creative thing isn't working and that is where the stop is for you, uh, which I feel, again, the analogy depends. I mean, it's like the cool, the way the nibs write, the the technical parts of it, the way the, the pens are made, the materials they're made out of, how they function, if they click, if they don't, like all the different things. That sometimes is enough for a hobby. Uh, you don't have to be the master artisan that then takes these these things that you're interested in and makes an amazing masterpiece you can just kind of enjoy it and i wonder if that's similar to synthesizers where you can enjoy the technology of them and the community around it and the nerdery that people get so involved in because there's like niche communities for everything now and you can find them so easily thank you internet and sometimes that's enough right like i don't know why we're putting pressure on ourselves to become a master maker in something that we just think is cool. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Because I think what I have in my sort of reframing notes here is my first sort of list item is why do you like thing? Because I feel like with synthesizers, for for me, and this is easy to say, because this is not, you know, one of the things that I'm into, but like, 
I think it would be really cool to just like sit there and just like see all the noises that they can make. Like what sounds does this knob change and what and just like there doesn't like you you could sit there for you know three hours and just be like you know do 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 this component that component and wow this makes this really cool you know choral note and this <laughs> makes it sound like we're in the woods and this goes boy wee 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 like that can be a, f- a completely valid use of your time in a hobby kind of equivalent to just trying all the nibs uh, or just enjoying looking at them and I I think one thing that's really important that you mentioned is all that research and like reading up on it and because I think part of it is also like you know have you read those studies that show that the largest release of like reward hormones in your brain are when you start planning something and are dreaming about it not when Mm. you actually do it like planning the trip does more for the brain (laughs) (laughs) than going on the trip yeah than going on the trip and I think it can be like that in both a bad and a good way with a lot of hobbies because you're like, it doesn't even have to be buying a thing, although that is definitely part of it, of being like, you know, being being like, you know, what watch or thing or pen do I want to buy? And you do all this research and you read reviews and that's part of the enjoyment, mm-hmm. like talking to your community, maybe asking them like, I'm looking for this one thing. What do you think? Discussing back and forth, like mulling it over in your brain. Or learning a new thing about something you didn't know existed. It's exactly. Like, yeah. Don't tell me how to hobby. <laughs> <laughs> and I, again, I think like a lot of that is in our own brains because, you know, we've talked about this. There there are buttheads in any hobby, but I think a lot of it is where you're like, well, there has to be something to come out of this. And I think also because sometimes you you feel very literal. Like, what do you do with a musical instrument? You play music. So you either have to get really good at, you know, playing other people's scores or you have to write music and what are you supposed to do with pens well you're supposed to write with them and then you should write things that are important and worthy of the nice pens and what do you do with yarn you knit it and it's like no because you could just sit there and like think for ages about how you're gonna pair a specific pattern to yarn or like what you might want to do with this uh, or trying out tons of different things and you can just you know dip dip pen all the inks or just sit there and play with all the knobs and be like I like what this does to music and then Mm -hmm. if you were ever to record that three-hour session it would just sound like you know something has gone wrong in an electrical uh supply store I uh, I I like to make the comparison uh oftentimes with these kind of hobbies where there's a hobby that involves things uh like something like pens and yarn and synthesizers and and watches or whatever you could just extend them endlessly really all the hobbies that have things and you need knowledge to be around the things but then there is this weird expectation I think because of a lot of social media or producing or like just talking to people well what do you do with it and that's the obvious question of what are you doing with these things but then there's also hobbies like people who are into movies Mm -hmm. and I think that this is a great thing to compare to because being into movies there is no thing you know there's watching people don't ask so why don't you become a film critic they're like oh that's nice no one asks you why aren't you making movies if you're into (laughs) watching movies and you have a lot of knowledge about movies and you know about actors and you know about directors and you know about filming techniques like just because you are hungry and and excited about the knowledge around filmmaking doesn't mean you need to be a filmmaker 
or most of them, most people never, ever, ever are, right? And no one asks that question of, oh, you're into film and you're into movies. Why aren't you making a movie? Why don't you, you know, go work at a movie place? It's like, well, no, this is my hobby. I just, I like absorbing the information and I like talking to other people about movies and we discuss things and I, ha- I have this base of knowledge and that's enough. Uh, It's the same for people who like to read a whole bunch or like people who read sci-fi or any kind of niche genre. The hobby itself is absorbing all the information and then talking about it with other people who like to absorb the information. But hobbies with things have this extra expectation of, well, what are you doing with it? And I think that that's where the expectation we put on ourselves needs to stop. Uh, You can just be into synthesizers because you're into them and you want to talk to other people about them. And that could be enough. Yeah, because it's I think it's also that focus uh, about getting really good at something. Like if you're if you say that a thing is your thing, like, oh, you're super into baking, then it's it feels like it feels like you get the message from society and that you probably might feel in yourself where you're like, well, then I have to get good at more and more complicated things. And then I have to refine those. And then I have to like start grinding my own flour uh, and preferably (laughs) growing my own wheat. Like, you know what I mean? Where it can't just be like, I like making cinnamon buns. That's what I do every weekend, you know? And, and that means that I really like baking. No, I think a good deflection for something like that, for the, the fear or the pressure of, if you say you're into this thing, you need to be great at it all the way down or know everything about it is when you're talking to someone, especially if you end up talking to a know-it-all who knows way more than you, Hey, people love talking. No, people love talking (laughs) about themselves. So a great thing to be is like, Oh, I haven't, um, I haven't experienced that part of this thing yet. Uh, can you tell me about it? Or what have been your experiences? Or I would love to get more into that. Or um, actually, I've been taking it in this direction. Do you know anything about this? You know, like it, it, there are ways to have these conversations where it you can reframe the question so it doesn't feel like an attack and it feels more of like a learning experience, uh, if that makes sense. Because I feel like the pressure always comes from somebody else putting that pressure on us uh, when it comes to not knowing enough of something. Mm -hmm. It's when you encounter someone that knows more that then you are like, I'm a fraud. I don't know anything (laughs) about baking. All I bake is cinnamon buns. And it's like, but I can't call myself a baker. But it's like, well, you can because you bake the cinnamon buns. And there are certainly people who can't bake cinnamon buns at all and don't know anything about it and don't care to know anything about it. So I think that calling yourself a baker is great. And then being open to learning about anything around your hobby is the the biggest part of it. Uh, if you are closed off and you're like, nope, I only bake cinnamon buns. I don't want to know nothing else. Then it seems a little bit like, all right, you're a baker, but you don't want to hear anything about anything <laughs> else. You don't want to learn anything. You don't want to talk to anybody about anything. It's like, all right, you, you can do you and your, you know, strange little silo over there. But <laughs> it's it's very much about enjoying the community and i think also uh it's okay to know what you like like if you you know you read about sourdough and you like go to baking shows or i mean there must be like baking conventions because you know what i mean there like are. You, you read about it, you talk about it but you're still like but the thing that i really like to make and really like to eat is cinnamon oh. buns Sometimes I make sourdough cinnamon buns, but generally, like, that's that's what I like to make. That's what, you know, my family will eat. I don't enjoy baking bread. And that's fine. There's no problem with... If yeah, you're, you know, you just, you you know what you like and you hopefully know it because you've tried other things or, you know, you've read enough about them. And you're like, meh, 
really care. And it's the same one. Like if, if you don't like knitting socks or you don't like uh, painting landscapes, if you've tried it and you maybe even know why you don't like it, then it's, that's fine too. And I feel the same way. Like if, if, if you know what part it is you like, like the part that I like is making the same note sound a hundred different ways with all my knobs and buttons and, you know, slidey thingies that have. A we need to learn term, more about I, synthesizers is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if that's the oh, thing yeah. that you love, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm there's pretty no sure that you could probably focus. you could probably put out a song that's just that one note manipulated a hundred ways because somebody will enjoy that. I think it is important to not get too stuck in the thing of like, well, I'm going to read up about everything about this hobby and then I'm not actually going to do it. That's something different. But if the thing that you like is learning about it, that's a valid part of the hobby. And I think it's kind of also a thing that we've talked about before is, you know, the process versus product that uh, we tend to be very focused on product, the finished thing uh, or maybe like the measurable improvement. Uh, And I think that neither enjoyment is like inherently more valuable. It's not that I'm saying that everyone should be a process painter or, or music maker or whatever, but it's, I think it's important to sometimes just drop the idea of, you know, capital R results. Yeah. And as you were saying, there's, there's no problem with focus on something. There's no problem with honing in your skill and deciding what you do and don't like. You don't need to have every single, you know, medium available to you to call yourself an artist. Uh, You can focus in on the one thing that you like, and it's okay to not like other things. In addition to the focus, well, I guess I'm just going to bridge this gap because part of the question was the anxiety about spending a lot of money on your hobby when you aren't essentially producing something again let me bring up pens my (laughs) god pens are stupid uh (laughs) you really really think about it but they make you happy and if you can afford it if it's within your budget and you are being fiscally responsible who cares what you spend your money on yeah and and i will say the letter writer did specify that this is not like taking food out of there or anyone else's mouth as I read it. Like, and I, I totally agree because I think also, I mean, even more so with, with hobbies where the thing is still there after you do the hobby, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like, I don't think, I don't think it's ever a waste to, you know, buy things that make you happy again, fiscal responsibility, all that. But in general, like it's not a waste to buy things that make you happy and it's not a waste to use them up for like a less worthy cause. But you know, the synthesizer, I guess, technically wear and tear, <laughs> but like, you know, it's still going to be there. People buy cars and, I... and they get worn out. People spend a lot of money on cars. Some people, their hobby is buying expensive things. That's the mm-hmm. hobby is spending money on an expensive thing. So if you were feeling bad about your expensive thing hobby, you can imagine a whole bunch of other hobbies that are expensive things that don't really make anything. Boat people, Boat people spend an insane amount of money on their boats. And do they get criticized for being boat people? No. Do they make anything with their boats? I mean, maybe fish, sticks, Exhaust I don't know. Fumes. But like <laughs> there are there's just so many different ways that people choose to spend their disposable income when they have it. And there's a lot of 
culture right now about apologizing for that or feeling bad for it or someone saying something on the internet where you can be spending this money in a different way to help other things. Yes, all of that is true. But at the same time, there is enjoyment. There is like happiness in life. And sometimes You're feeding those your soul. things, yeah, sometimes those things cost money. And if you have the money to do it, I don't think the feeling of guilt is helping anybody. And I think that you can always find a more expensive, something that seems more ridiculous to you to compare yourself to if you're feeling bad about spending money on your hobby. I mean, there are people that they love traveling, so they spend tons of money on traveling. There's always something that someone is spending their money on. And if you're spending your money on a hobby that you're like, like a synthesizer, that doesn't seem any more or any less ridiculous than spending money on cars or trips or, you know, whatever anyone else does. Uh, I'm gardening, right? Like how much do plants cost? Plants are pretty expensive when you start getting into it. Uh, and then they, then they die. I think also some, well, unless you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Something that occurs to me that we joked about before about Sable stash acquired beyond life expectancy. It is kind of like, well, you have a very, you can't, I mean, maybe he he can't but like you can't buy a synthesizer right now so it's good that you've spent the money on something that is good right mm -hmm. and makes you happy because that is what you have to play with now and if you've made sure that you have you know paint you're running out of black again uh but like you <laughs> you know you have paints or you have yarn uh and if you can afford it to not say like i i will buy that later when i'm worth it or when i'm worthy of it and also use it up now because it's going to make you happy and kind of like, you know, take care of now, Julia. Don't care about like next month, Julia, if she's happy, you know, mm -hmm. she can she can deal with that later. She can take care of herself. There's, <laughs> and also there's still going to be yarn and synthesizers in, in our respective homes at that point. And on top of, you know, thinking about now, Julia, I kind of feel like I want this letter writer and other people to, I'm thinking like imagine one of the teachers you didn't like in grade school and just like sticking your tongue out to them and being like, I can do whatever I want. I can do this. It doesn't have to be good. That, you know what I mean? It's just like embracing the, what would you call it? Embracing like the, the cocky, confident part of your inner child. You know? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's uh, embracing the process. Like it's the whole don't afraid, don't be afraid to be bad. Don't be afraid to try something. Don't be afraid to use your stuff. Um, and if you're getting caught up in the anxiety of using your stuff. I mean, no one saying, don't be afraid to use it is not going to solve that. But I think what might help solve those anxieties is just letting go of the expectation that you have to, uh, you know, hobbies, be a brat. Yeah. Hobbies ebb and flow too. You know, like there's no problem with, all right, I'm going to be reading for the next three months and I'm not even going to touch the expensive hobby that I had. I mean, there was a time where I wasn't using any of my pens at all. I didn't buy anything. I wasn't using what I had. It just kind of faded into the background because I was busy with something else. But you know what? I always came back to it because I knew I loved it. And I think that that is the important, uh, that is the important part is that don't put all the pressure on yourself to like, all right, I have to create something. I have this thing here just set it aside for a little bit, you know, go do what your brain is telling you to do right now. If it's go play Minecraft all day and build cool houses in Minecraft, like enjoy that community and go and do it because that's what is making you feel at ease. Now that's going to be your current therapy. 
you're not helping yourself by getting anxiety over what I'm not using, uh, it will come around. It will come, it'll come back. And I think maybe sometimes you, you can try literally reframing something because maybe, maybe, because, because that thing of, of the thing that he said about it makes, makes it hard to explain what he does. And I'm thinking like, well, maybe sometimes you can try saying that, um your hobby is building synthesizers you know like you Mm -hmm. you like refining it kind of like maybe you and i have more of a hobby of collecting pens than writing things that's true uh or maybe you know we have a hobby of optimizing pen purchases this this part of the analogy (laughs) didn't work quite as well but you know what i mean like maybe it's falling apart it's falling (laughs) apart uh and collecting is usually not it's problematic i mean somebody's hobby could be collecting kitchen stop tools, telling me about a hobby <laughs> yeah um but you know what i mean like reframe it like that maybe maybe you call yourself a pattern historian i don't know but like and and because i think sometimes we feel that it is shameful to say that you're a collector or say that you build the things and then you don't use them or uh but like say if somebody's hobby is building furniture they don't have to decorate their house with it Mm -hmm. you can give it away or i don't know if you could take it apart and build something else but like maybe it's okay to say sometimes even if even if what you actually want to do is play the music just like try on that hat and see if it actually does make you embarrassed I don't know if I'm making sense anymore, but just no, like, you're making tons of sense. And I, I just thought of a little anecdote. Uh, we have a neighbor who collects um, antique medical devices. He's not using them. You know what I mean? Like, I he hope has, not. <laughs> he has a hobby and he's just a collector. He finds them interesting. He knows a ton about them. Uh, and again, it's just one of those hobbies that that's a hobby with physical things that accumulate and you have them in your home or you have information about them. And he knows tons them. of things about them. And I'm sure he, you know, he, he subscribes to medical doodads monthly yep. <laughs> and go to the auctions and all that kind of stuff. There are probably like special antique shows. And that is, that is totally fine. And that's a hobby and that's all it is. And that's all it has to be. And when you're at a party or something and we end up talking to him at like the block party, he has really cool, interesting things to say, but I'm never like, oh, well, you know, are you a doctor? <laughs> you know, like It's not, <laughs> it's that expectation isn't there. So like Julia said, I think that that, I, that idea of reframing exactly how to discuss your hobby might help um ward off the unwanted questions of oh well tell me about the music you make well it's like it's an easier answer to say something to the effect of um i enjoy building synthesizers um i'm i'm working on making music but that's not my primary goal right now um and that's fine because it doesn't have to always be that forever you can eventually find your way into making the music if you get more into it and then you can change and say your hobby is making music with synthesizers uh it's it's all so fluid it can also be kind of a little white lie just in the moment so that you don't get anxious about talking about Mm -hmm. it just like you can say like well you know i build synthesizers and i play around a little bit even if the thing that you really want to do is make the music, but just to sort of, you know, make make the make the edges a little smoother for yourself in that moment and to take the pressure out of it both right then and just in general. Because I feel like it occurred to me, because um, I've been 
doing a lot of, and I think I think I've I think I've been talking about this for way too long at this point. But like, uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of historical sewers on on YouTube and and Instagram, and I think it's the same way there. If you if you think about like, what is it you like? Is it literally recreating historical garments that are historically accurate and historically accurate techniques to make them, all that stuff? Or is it more like a cosplay thing where you're like, well, I want to make, you know, a Regency outfit, but it's also in space. Uh, (laughs) or, Or is it just figuring out how something is made without buying a pattern? And if you think about that, then you can say like, well, I'm, you know, I like to make fun cosplays based on history or I'm a historical clothing recreator and sometimes just thinking about that also because then you lose at least part of the anxiety and part of kind of the implied criticism of like well if you're not hand sewing all these things then you're not good enough and it's like well that's that's not what I'm doing this for and that's not my thing so so tongue out to you. Yeah, there's always going to be people out there who criticize, who don't think you're doing it right. But really, when it comes down to it, there are more people out there who are willing to support and be interested in a hobby just like you are. And that's why we find all these communities of people that share our interests. I mean, we've found pen people. Uh, I know you have knitting people. Um, I've stumbled into some paint people, although I don't seem to be the most committed as everyone else is. But like, it's... uh, (laughs) They're all out there, and I think that it's the insecure person in that group that is coming at you and judging how you are hobbying, and I I don't think that that person... you know, again, it's just like, it's like the idea of, oh, who's the bully? You know, maybe they're mm-hmm. the ones that are insecure <laughs> and it's <laughs> not you. Um, so yeah, I think that what we've come around to here with this discussion is the idea of, um, it's okay to be bad and it's okay to never share the things you make. <laughs> yeah. It, it, which is something we've said over and over again, but again, it's, it's, comes down to don't tell me how to hobby like you are allowed to hobby any way that you want to hobby and the amount of money you spend the time you put into it and the product you produce don't define you as being good or bad at that hobby or not actually having it or not getting not having the right to call yourself a member of that hobby uh there's just way too many diverse factors that go into enjoying something for you to feel the anxiety of labeling yourself as such. And I think that any pressure that that has come out um, to people, it's unfair and we should all fight against it. Yeah, I think I think that is a very good way to think about it. And I think like the concrete, the homework, uh, no, the concrete thing <laughs> that I think you can do is like sit down and either write down or talk to someone or think about like, what are the things that I like about this hobby uh and what is the what is the thing that really matters out of those like you can like all the things you can like the make making music but maybe maybe it's the research maybe it's the building maybe it's the music maybe it's the mixing maybe it's asking someone else their opinions and then adjusting it based on their opinions maybe it's the meetups and and like go go from there just think about like what it what is what is what i'm actually getting out of this uh and then find how you can optimize for that. And I guarantee that if you find a way to succinctly describe 
how you feel about the hobby, the aspects of it that you love the most, the parts that you get the most out of. If you start being vocal about that in the community, you're going to run into other people that are like, oh my gosh, yes, I feel the exact same way. I feel so much pressure to be using my pens and I just doodle all over the place with them. And it's so nice to talk to someone who feels like that is enough. And that alone is going to bring out a lot of the confidence in any hobby uh, and the way you decide to um, engage with it. Yeah. We fixed it. Yay. We are so good. (laughs) Test talk for the win. (laughs) Uh, So you can go find our show notes at relay.fm slash make do. And we are make do pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can hashtag make do pod. If you want to ask us questions or send us emails, Uh, you can't email a hashtag, but you'll figure it out. Anyway, (laughs) you can find us individually at Tiffany Arment and Julia Scott, S K O T T. And if you want to leave a review in your podcast app, that would be awesome. We love that. And we will be back in a fortnight. And until then, Go make and do and tell everyone that you are going to hobby the way you want to hobby. And that's that.